The reading is taken from Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 to 15. Moses and the burning bush. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within the bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, Here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of Israel has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now, go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you, and this will be a sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, What is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent you, me to you. God also said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever, the name you shall call me from generation to generation. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Shall we pray as we come to God's word? Thank you, Lord, that you shared with Moses your personal name, Yahweh. We pray that as we come to your word today, that in that same beautiful way that you interacted with Moses, that you would interact with us. Thank you that as you drew him into a relationship with you, you draw us into a relationship with you too. So would you give us ears to hear what you might have to say to us today through your word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. It's great to be back with you. It feels like quite a while since I was here last. I think it was 
Actually, it was the day that you were, um, um, whatever you were, licensed to be here. <laughs> Installed, licensed, commissioned, whatever it was. It was a great time though, wasn't it? And I hope he's behaving. Is he behaving himself okay? Are you enjoying having our Nathaniel with you? Mostly. Well, that's probably the best that can be hoped of with Nathaniel, to be honest. So. <laughs> It's, it is lovely to be back and uh, it's a great passage to be sharing on. Um, you, like us, are journeying through uh, the book of Exodus. It's one of my kind of favourite books and it gives me a great reason to go back and to rethink through some of the things that God has taught me before about uh, this book, but also to be re-challenged. And I have to say that this week, uh, in other contexts, I've come across Exodus about three times and so you immediately start thinking, God... Is doing something and God is, uh, is saying something. So um, today we're talking about the burning bush and what went on there. But I think it's worth us just doing a little bit of a catch up as to what's happened in the story so far. So I don't know about you, but we had a, a really fun session uh, last week with our all age thinking about uh, Moses and rethinking about the... Um, the bulrushes and all of the miracles around that. So what's happened since that point, as we go through this story, is that Moses has ended up in this kind of no man's land. So we know, don't we, that Moses was born to a Hebrew woman, but the Hebrews at that time were in exile in Egypt. They were slaves to the Egyptians. And um, Moses ended up by this miraculous journey being in the company of Pharaoh, being looked after by Pharaoh's daughter, a princess, but then actually nursed by his mother. And then, you know, Moses grew up in that place. And at what point he found out that he really was Hebrew, living in Egypt, we don't quite know. But we do know that he did because the next stage of this journey was that Moses went to find out what it was like being Hebrew in the community. So he went down and he saw the oppression that his blood relatives were all under, under the Egyptians. And in frustration, he actually murdered one of the Egyptians who was hurting the, uh, hurting the Hebrew people. And um, then he was found out. And when he was found out, he ran away. And as he ran, he ran to Midian. And at Midian, he was discovered to still be an Egyptian. They spotted him as an Egyptian. So you've got this strange position you can try and put yourselves in Moses' shoes for a minute. He knows his blood relatives are Hebrew. He's been brought up as an Egyptian. And now he's out and he's tending his father-in-law's sheep. And which is he? Is he Hebrew or is he Egyptian? He's kind of stood in this no man's land. And as he stood there in the Sinai, in the heat of the Sinai, the burning desert, he suddenly comes across this bush and this bush is burning and won't stop burning now I don't know if you've been out to Sinai we've we've been out to Sinai once it is boiling out there there is nothing out there it's just like desert land and there's very few even bushes it must have been really attractive to Moses and so Moses comes up to this burning bush and what I'm going to do in this talk by the way is there are so many this is a preacher's dream and a preacher's nightmare this chapter three of Exodus it's a preacher's dream because there's about 20 million things that we could preach on in it. It's a preacher's nightmare because you have to kind of pick and choose which one you're doing because otherwise we could be here for the entire rest of the day. So 
I'm going to skip through the few, first few bits and hope that if God wants to speak to you about those, that he'll just kind of pull them out for you rather than me having to expound them. But then we're going to spend time around the name of God because I think that's what's most important to us today. So Moses, um, Moses comes to this, uh, this fire and God tells him to take his sandals off because it's holy ground. Now, I don't know about you, but I've had a few times where actually I've felt with God I've needed to take my sandals off or my shoes off. Um, just that sense of being in a place where your ground touches the ground is kind of one of those kind of special moments. But also in this kind of land, when you're wandering around in dusty and dirty streets, then taking your shoes off is one of those signs of, of hospitality. You know, you take your shoes off to go into somebody's home. You put them back on again when you're heading back out. And I wonder if in this, God is symbolizing something about Moses coming to the point of his home. And God is really present in this moment with Moses. And I don't know if you've ever been in one of those places where you have suddenly felt the presence of God land on you. But my guess is that that was what Moses was experiencing in this moment. That he was suddenly experiencing the power that we might attribute to God's Holy Spirit coming and drawing close to us. And it's really difficult to kind of imagine what it must have been like um, for him. So then God comes and he starts talking to Moses and he says to him, I've seen how my people are suffering in Egypt. I've heard them cry out. I'm concerned about their suffering. I've come down to save them. You've seen all the eyes in that. I have seen, I have heard, I have come down. And then he says, I am going to bring them out. He's seen the oppression that all of the Hebrews are suffering under the hands of the Egyptians. Those are God's people. The Hebrews are God's people. And God is saying, I am going to bring them out. But then he very swiftly turns it and says, and by the way, Moses, you are going. So you go. So God said, I've seen all this stuff, but it's you. This is the beautiful interaction that happens with God. That on the one hand, God is God. But on the other hand, he draws human beings into his story to enable him to be able to work things through. So Moses, at this point in time, is by no means the finished product, and that, for me, gives me great hope. Although the murder that he committed, we might say, was a righteous murder because he'd seen the oppression that was being brought on his people, he was still a murderer. And at this point in time, in this wilderness, you kind of see this kind of discombobulated person in Moses, the one who's not quite sure whether he's Hebrew or whether he's Egyptian, but God still comes, even though there's, he's in this kind of wilderness, mixed-up place, and says, it's you. I'm going to use you. You are the one who's going to lead my people out of Egypt. And God tells them about the promised land. But where I really want us to spend the bulk of our time just thinking uh, today in this narrative is around how God tells Moses who he is. So Moses says, it's okay for you to send me, but when I go, who actually am I going to say that you are? Now, for us, that's perhaps a little bit odd because, you know, God is God is God, right? But actually, you know, back then, that wasn't quite the same. And to be honest, I don't know that it really is today because, you know, when I talk to people about God, I'll often find people say, 
well, I don't believe in God because. And you'll say, well, tell me all about the God that you don't believe in. And often the God that they don't believe in, I wouldn't believe in either. You know, we have all these strange misconceptions about what and who God is. And so Moses says, well, who am I going to who am I going to say you are? Because the Egyptians had lots of gods, didn't they? I don't know if you've seen the parchments, are, but the sun god Ray, and there's all these different kinds of gods that they were worshipping. So who, who shall I say that you are? And God says, uh, he says that he's going to give them a sign, but he says to them, the God, tell them that the God of your fathers has sent me. Tell them that it's God of Isaac and Jacob and Abraham. And God says to Moses, the Lord Yahweh is the, sorry, I'm jumping ahead there. So in the scriptures then it says, the Lord says, Lord Yahweh is the God of your fathers. He has sent me. He's the God of Abraham. He's the God of Isaac, God of Jacob. So in essence, what he's saying is, I am your dad's dad. I'm your dad's God and I am your granddad's God. So he's really rooting it. But Moses is told by God that God is called I am what I am, Yahweh. And that is the name of God and the name that we want to think about. So I don't know whether you guessed the answer to Jamie's question in the song, but you saw at the end there, Yahweh. So there are lots of times when our kind of biblical translations don't help us an awful lot because in what we read, in the narrative that we read, what was God called as we read it through in that NIV scripture? Can you remember? How did the scripture refer to God? The Lord. In capital letters. The Lord in capital letters. So actually when we read the Lord in capital letters, we know that in the Hebrew that's written Yahweh. Now I'm going to get just a little bit technical for a moment. Um, I am not a Hebrew scholar. In fact, I did very, very little Hebrew at, uh, at my, um, my college as I was training. But sometimes it's important for us to know a little bit because our own language and the way that the scriptures have been interpreted for us don't always help us. So if we think back to the beginning of the Bible in Genesis, when God is spoken about in Genesis, the Hebrew word that's used is Elohim. And God is introduced to us as the creative Elohim. And Elohim is like a multiple of gods. It's like spiritual beings so as we come into beginning to understand about God, he's introduced to us as a spiritual being, but a spiritual being who is the creator God of the universe. Now, again, this is something we could spend a whole pile of time on. But over, t- over the time, as, as, um, as we go through the story of Abraham and Jacob and Isaac, we gradually start to see this spilling out of who actually is this Elohim. Because there's Elohims all over the place. And so what Moses is saying is he's asking God, asking God is, well, which gods are you? And because names are important, what is the nature of you as this God? And so God responds by saying to him, I am who I am. Now, let me find my stuff in my, in my, uh, in my notes. He says... This is trouble if you go off script. You then have trouble kind of a black line launching back in again. 
you then, you then come back to, uh, <laughs> to it and go, where was that that I said that I wanted to say? Um, come on. A high Asher a high is the I am who I am. And I can't guarantee my pronunciation here of what it's like. Um, but how then does that become this name Yahweh? It's really interesting, isn't it? So God says to Moses, I am who I am. And then our Bible starts to translate that as the Lord. But we know that in Hebrew, it's saying Yahweh. Now, one of the challenges of Hebrew is that in the early days, there was no vowels that were written in the language at all. Now, if you imagine trying to read a sentence with no vowels in it, more often than not, you can work out what's going on. And as the language became more complex, then they began to add vowels in, but not until about the 8th century after Jesus. So what we have when we come to this word in Scripture is Yahweh. So it's spelled Y-H-W-H. So no vowels between it. And we guess that the way that it was pronounced or the best um, kind of knowledge that we have about the way that it's pronounced, is Yahweh. And what we have is, as God says to Moses, I am who I am, Eah, Asher, Eah, that is God saying, I am who I am. But what we do when we translate it back is to say, he is who he is. You might say, well, that's all very well, but what does it actually mean to us here um, living in Frising Hall or surrounding areas, you know, how do, we, how, do we, how do we make sense of what God is saying, I am who I am? Well, I think it's this. One is that God is showing to Moses who he personally is. God is no longer a God who's a spiritual being amongst a group of spiritual beings. God is saying, I am who I am. And he's revealing this one-to-one between Moses and himself. Must have been an incredibly beautiful moment. You wonder if the ground trembled as all of this happened, don't you? The bush is still burning in the background and God's saying, this is who I am. My name is Yahweh. My name is I am who I am. He is who he is. And what does that mean? Well, again, lots and lots of kind of connotations, but my interpretation of it would be that it is, he is who he is. He is a constant. So if God says that he is faithful, he is always going to be faithful. If God says that he is righteous, he's always going to be righteous. If God says he is good, he is always going to be good. That's why we were singing yesterday, today, and forever. God is the same. God is constant. And what's happening at this point in time is something which is going to continue in the narration right the way through Exodus and beyond. We come to this pinnacle, actually, in chapter uh, 34, where where Moses asks God, he's got so close to God that he says to him, I want you to show me my glory, your glory. And God says, okay, well, I'll, I'll do that. And as God is walking past Moses, he says this. He says, the Lord... Yahweh. That's our, you know, our interpretation of it. The Lord Yahweh. He says it twice to him to reinforce his name. The compassionate and gracious God. So this is now beginning to talk about the nature of God. What is God like? What is his character like? 
He's astounding, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness and rebellion and sin. And so what God's doing is laying out, this is my name and this is my nature. So constantly, I, I have to say as, we, as I speak about scripture, that names in scripture are never accidental. They are always something which is significant. We had a, a baptism a couple of weeks ago and we had two children who were baptized with biblical names. We had Bezalel uh, and we had Elias. And both of those names have really prophetic meanings. Bezalel means he's under the protection of God. And Elias means that he, he worships the Lord, Yahweh, the God. And those names are not just names, are they? You know, oh, I certainly pray that they're not. As they were given those names and we baptize them, we're praying that those names become prophetic. And it was very much the, 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 the thing back in Hebrew times. A name was not given accidentally. It was given because it was going to reveal something about the character and the personality of that individual. Think about the changes of names that God does in Scripture. Abraham became Abraham. So he became father to becoming the father of nations. Simon became Peter. Simon means hearing. Peter means the rock. God transitioned the names of those people to indicate where they were going to go. And I think that's what's going on in this piece here. God is saying to Moses, my name is Yahweh. I am who I am. You can know me. You can trust me. Now, at this stage in the story, Moses knows very little of what's going to happen. And as the rest of the Exodus plays out, we'll see how that kind of develops until it comes to that pinnacle point. And of course, for us, all of this points to Jesus, doesn't it? As we think about Jesus, we were, I think actually the last time I was here preaching, can you remember what I was preaching about? <laughs> Good question, Nathaniel. I can't remember which one, but I was preaching on the I am statements because you were doing the I am statements. Yeah? Does that ring any bells? So Jesus, Jesus uses this as an anchor point. So when Jesus says, I am the bread of life, then he's pointing back to this point in scripture where God reveals himself as I am. And in the same way as God's revealing the nature of his character through that name, Jesus, of course, is the true revelation of the Father. So we're able to look and see uh, what the Father is like through Jesus. And then, of course, Jesus teaches us to play. And he gives us another name for God. What name does he give to us to pray? Father, Father, yeah, Dad. Jesus says, this is, I, this is my dad, and do you know what? He's your dad too. So just in drawing this to a close, one of the things that God has challenged me about as I've been preparing this talk today is I have this sense of when I say Lord, it becomes like a title, right? And I think that's one of the challenges we have with our scripture is it becomes like a title to us because we think of Lord so-and-so, don't we, when we say Lord? And that was the way that it was back then. But if I called Dave Mr. Maslin all the time, my husband, that wouldn't work too well, would it? And my title is like Reverend Maslin, 
but I think there's only like my dentist that calls me that and a few other people who want to call me, you know, and certainly Dave doesn't call me Reverend Maslin and my kids don't and my grandkids don't. You know, that's just crazy, isn't it? But one of the things that God challenged me about as I was writing this was whether I'd begun to lose some of that intimacy with him in the title that I use for him. I can remember having a period in my spiritual life where I really thought all the time about this concept of daddy God, you know, and it's, it's not a, a great way to be praying necessarily because it causes some, some people to, you know, kind of disassociate from things. But for me, you know, coming back to that place of intimacy is what I felt God was asking me to do through all of the different times that I've been challenged by Exodus in this week. It's back to that place of remembering that God has a name. His name is Yahweh. He invites me to know him as Yahweh. Not the Lord, not God, although he is both of those things. What he challenges me to do is to move into that place of being intimate with him, to know him by his personal name. In the same way as I will call Dave Dodie, that's my pet name for him, which comes from uh, Hebrew, actually. But um, God is saying to me, that is the way that he wants me to know him, to be able to call him that intimate name and for him to be able to call me that intimate name. So let's stand and pray together. Yahweh, thank you that you gave to Moses your personal name and you led him into an intimate relationship with you. So we see as the story progresses, you meet him face to face. He talks to you and you change your mind. You take him through the most challenging of situations and he remains firm with you. And Lord, we pray that you would help us to do the same. We come by the power of your spirit. Help us to move into that intimate space with you to be able to respond to the call that you give to us to call you by name. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.